even though you can explain the call and the parameters, until the programmers see it in action, they're not really going to grasp it. So when documenting code, provide as many code examples as possible. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Robert Delwood, Lead API Documentation Writer at iManage. Welcome, Robert, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, yeah, thanks for uh, having me. Okay, super. So, Rob, uh, we would like to understand a little bit more about uh, yourself and how did you get into this uh, profession during your initial days, please? So, I call myself a programmer, writer, and programmer writer. I am a writer by education. I went to college for journalism. I am a programmer by vocation. I'm self-taught. I learned programming in sixth or seventh grade and have never really stopped doing that. But my favorite title has been that of programmer writer, where I get to combine the two and write about programming to other programmers. Specifically, that's API documentation programming. That requires a special skill in that you have to know programming, but you also have to be able to communicate those concepts to programmers preferably in their own lingo and jargon. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very true. So that's very, very nicely put, uh, Robert. So both your profession and what you studied into one uh, piece. So so what's your documentation process at iManage and uh, who do you normally get involved? The documentation process is really pretty straightforward with API documentation. They will have a list in a very general sense they will have a list of calls by the programmer. So the programmer's API suite of maybe 300, 500 calls. And although that sounds a lot, that's actually on the smaller end. And the concept. So I always advocate learning the theory of what you're doing to meet expectations rather than going more into requirements. A lot of people these days focus on requirements. You have to do this or that, and that makes you a programmer writer. Mm -hmm. So I focus on expectations. What are the readers expecting to um, get from you? And if you know that theory, then anything you do, excuse me, anything you do towards that goal will by definition be good. So they have, the company will have a, a certain amount of calls. It's your job to communicate those calls, what they are, what they do, what their parameters are, when to use them, how to use them, and usually any notes or caveats or things that, that aren't obvious. And you write about them to the audience. Like I said, there's no special way of doing this. This is actually more of an art than it is a science. So again, I advocate that people figure out what style works best for them in communicating all these ideas. Now, there are standard forms. For instance, the API documentation reference guide is standard among the industry, and that's just like a dictionary. So it has a call and the parameters and it explains everything. So that's standard and that's expected. But how you do that 
really is more up to you and knowing your audience. What again, what's the best way to communicate these ideas to the programmers? I think that's very well said, Robert. You need to consider writing as an art rather than the science and uh, thinking about the customer personas who's going to digest the documentation. You might have answered my next question to some extent, but let's elaborate it a little bit better or a little bit more like what are the important factors you consider when creating documentation? So, again, it's sort of the expectation of the audience. So going back to the API reference guide, there are some basic expectations. You have to have a call name, like like I said, and the parameters and explanation. But beyond that, like I said, it's really up to you to figure out the art there. You don't have to know it from the get-go. It may be in evolution or an evolved process. You start out doing it the conventional way. Then you come across an epiphany and you, you can change your style. Now, API, the reference guide is not the only documentation you'll be producing. Just like referring to it as a dictionary, just because you have a dictionary, it doesn't mean you can write a great novel. You have to know how everything fits together. Mm -hmm. So there are starting guides, there's how-tos, there's code snippets. Some programmer writers even write entire applications to showcase the calls and the interaction of the call. So let's talk a little bit more about the API documentation, because that's right now what you do with iManage. What steps do you think API professionals should be taking to empathize with their audience? Because you are doing the right thing, like putting customers first, thinking about how they will consume your documentation. So in terms of tips, what would you suggest to other API professionals out in the market? So again, in keeping with the concept of learning expectation, I have about 33 rules. I call them the rules for API documentation. One of them is you document it for yourself. So this is a very important one. If you don't know a concept or an idea, you stop and you document it as if you're explaining it to yourself. Chances are, as an API writer, Ideally, you would be a programmer and and you would know some language or two, but you don't know the company's product. So you're not teaching coding. You're teaching your company's product to coders. So if you don't understand something, stop and document it. Now, this covers a lot. This chances are there's going to be a lot to document. If you can explain it to yourself, then you are one step ahead of the game. Don't make an assumption that just because your audience is a bunch of um, programmers or even highly experienced programmers, they're going to know your product. They're not. That's why they're reading the documentation so they can learn your product and fit it in with their skills. Yeah, that's true. So you first become a customer to your own documentation, correct? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm just going to read out a phrase that we took from the company iManage. So iManage says that um, it has earned its place as the industry standard through continually innovating to solve the most complex professional challenges. So when it comes to the most complex challenge any API professionals are facing, what would be your comment on that, please? So you need to view API documentation writers as being on on a spectrum, on a continuum. So on the very 
extreme left side, for instance, is a writer who doesn't know any programming at all. On the extreme right side, you have the expert programmer. So the programmer writer needs to be along this continuum. The more right to the right they are, the better they'll be in this role. So if you know, if you are on the left and you move a little bit to the right, you learn a little bit of programming, you'll be a little bit better. If you move to the right a lot, you'll be a lot better. And if you move all the way to the right, then you'll be very good in this role. So the more you know, the better you'll be in this role. Now, there's a couple things about, about that. Most of the programmer writers I know, most of the API writers I know, did not choose to become a programmer writer. They entered it accidentally. They were in the wrong spot at the wrong time, and their boss asked them to, they were a tech writer, and their boss asked them to get into this role, or they were curious about the role, and they asked, and they got in. So that implies they don't have, they don't always have a very strong background in programming. And yet, many flourish in that role. So not knowing programming is not a, a hindrance in entering this field. However, once you are on that continuum, just understand that it's a new skill set and it's a new craft. So if you treat the craft seriously, keep learning, push yourself, you will do well and you will move slowly to the right at all times. And that's where you want to be. Two, programming. I've talked a lot, a lot about programming up until now. Yes, programming is a very important skill. Your title has it, it as programming in it as a program writer. So I will advocate that everyone will have to know a programming lang language at some time. However, that's not the only skill required for this job. Again, you're trying to communicate a series of ideas to the programmers and anything that lets you, that helps you do it is, will be good. So for instance, there are other computer skills you'll need. You'll need the command line skill. Most programmers use a command line in Linux and to a lesser degree in, in Windows. This is not taught in as tech writers. The most tech writers will do is probably they, a command line like get. Most companies have moved to get for their file repositories. So other skills you'll have to come across is writing examples. In API documentation, examples are everything. Now, this is a little bit different than tech writing because tech writing is not code-based. So yes, you can provide samples. A lot of those have a graphical aspect to it. You look at a screen Let's pick a very, a very simple one, a login screen. It'll have a username and, and password, maybe some sort of challenge. So the examples there aren't very extensive. You put a name, you, you may have to explain where the challenge comes from. Programming is all individual lines of code. So for any given call, there may be so many variations. And even though you can explain the call and the parameters, until the programmers see it in action, they're not really going to grasp it. So when documenting code, provide as many code examples as possible. I like to have usually three, the call in the most basic form, the call with slight variations, parameters, if the rest it may have a body parameters to it, and the call in context of a larger, larger use. So a lot of calls, for instance, may require a little bit of information set up. So show them how the body gets formed, where the information comes from. 
make the call and then do something with the call. This also goes to point number three. Programmers love examples. They copy and paste. If I thought I could write APIs only with with examples, I would. They're to copy and paste. So understand that API reference guide is not going to be a document that they read start to finish like you would a novel or a book. With search tools being as accurate as they are, they can land anywhere inside that document. And wherever they land, it's got to be self-supporting. So if they're looking for a call name and they end up in the example, really all they want, most of the time, I would say 70% of the time, what they're looking for is an example to copy and paste. So the call, an example of the parameter, sometimes just showing a parameter in use is all the information they need. Is it a string? What is the format of the string? Is it an ID? That's all the little nudge they need. So learn to think in examples. Nice. Nicely put, uh, Robert. Just uh, talking on the same lines, we know that uh, you are a very good uh, community player in the sense uh, you work with community platforms like Medium and the Content Wrangler. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that, first of all, for all the efforts you've made. But I'm just curious to understand how this uh, extra efforts to the community has helped you in your regular day job or in your work. There are a lot of aspects to this job. Some obvious, I talked about about the obvious ones, some not so obvious, some subtle, some minor. But I like writing about these lesser or less known topics. So writing these articles in Medium, and a lot of them are on my website, allows me just to go into a little more detail about them. Now, some of the articles on my website are coding examples, which I refer to a lot in my own coding. I tend to use some calls over and over again. So for convenience, I just wrote an article, put it on the web so I can always access it conveniently. The other aspect to it is it lets you, a minute ago I said, explain it to yourself. So these articles are just information to myself that I can learn more about the call. Again, document it for yourself and everything um, falls into place. Great. And just quoting one other point from your LinkedIn profile. On your LinkedIn, you say that if the documentation isn't clear, the bug stops with you. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So how has this sense of personal responsibility shaped the way you approach your work? Now, I know you have addressed a lot of points on first read your own content before pressing the publish button to the customer. So Is that how you normally do your way of uh, documentation? Yes, yes. So I added that statement because I wanted my readers to know that if something wasn't right in the documentation, if something wasn't clear, something was missing, that there's actually a person at the end of that documentation train that is responsible for the content. Real often you'll be reading documentation and you don't like something, something is is missing, they may or may not have a button to offer suggestions. But real often, many people think that those comments go to a large database and will, and if they're seen, may eventually be seen in time. People need to know that I write the documentation, I am personally associated with it, and I'm going to do everything I can to make it better. So I'm not claiming I know everything about it, profession or that I know everything about the product. But if it's not clear, 
I want to know so I can address it. Nice. Yeah, that's very true, Robert. So everybody has to have that personal responsibility and take ownership, right? So yeah. of what they produce and be proud of your contents if it's reaching to a lot of people. True. <laughs> so given your vast experience in this field, what do you think is the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking? That is an interesting question. The API documentation world, the tools that an API writer uses, in my opinion, are pretty bad. This is not a very developed field at all. And the tools we have are marginal, at least marginal compared to what tech writers have. So there's a couple of things that have come along in the last year. They probably are not the endpoint applications. In other words, I believe there will still be evolution in this process. But YAML is the framework that most APIs are written in um, these days. It is a tool, framework, and almost a language that the programmers use too. And it's intended to be shared by the writers and the programmers. They use the same files, although they use different aspects of the same file. This is an important development along the way because there, prior to open API, all which is commonly associated with Swagger, there was no standardization. When I started in API docs, probably the late 90s, there was nothing. We used Word and we the style was up to each writer. It, the code wasn't synchronized. The documentation wasn't synchronized with the code. So for example, if the developers added a new parameter, it was on my own effort to find out that it, it had even been added and much less what it did. Now, they occasionally help by telling me they added or changed a parameter, but there was no automated way of doing that. At least with YAML, you have that automated way of doing it. Two, YAML has become much more popularized within the last five years. So now it's a common tool. There is a lot of support out there on the internet for it. So if you have a question about a particular tag or a writing approach, chances are someone else has written about it. Unfortunately, it's still a largely undocumented world, or I should say a very poorly documented world. The writers will still have to struggle. But the fact is there is at least some standard out there that everyone is getting behind. So although it's tough now, it'll be easier in a year or two because more people are using it and documenting. They do upgrade the open API versions frequently. So it's getting better all the time. It is still so much better than, than it was five or 10 years ago. So that, that was probably the most innovative tool that's come along. Nicely put, uh, Robert. Just a quick uh, check. In the organizations you worked so far, do you know if any, any one of them were generating any organic search traffic from your knowledge base, like making the knowledge base public? Has any any of your organizations that you worked with published your documentations public and because of that, any organic search traffic being generated oh, by the oh. marketing team? So the short answer is no. In the private sector, I've worked, of course, with private companies and many of the API docs are proprietary. Now, within that, yes, companies have, have different degrees of being able to trap to view the traffic it's interesting to see who uses it and when, but we still don't always have a good feeling about what, how they perceive the docs. 
So unless they actually write a note or report a bug, we don't know exactly how they're using it. We just know what page they're on and to a less extent, how long they're on the page. Unfortunately, knowing how long they're on the page is no indication at all about what they're doing on it. Now, in the public sector, I worked at NASA for the longest time. Yes, all of their doc, all of their APIs are public, but they haven't been tracking it quite as intensely as the private sector. Now, I've been gone from the public sector for about five years now, so I'm hoping that they do use analytics like the private sector does, but I don't know that for a fact yet. All right. So there's a lot of uh, useful information, Robert, you shared with us for the last uh, 20 minutes or so. But uh, we would like to finish off with a rapid fire round with just three questions. I won't say simple because, uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, so who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? Have I learned documentation? I like being embedded with the developers. I want to sit with them so I can overhear their conversations, formal and informal. I like talking to them directly because there I get feedback. So most of the improvements I get are from the developers, whether they intend it or not. So they'll say things like, they'll point out ideas and concepts that I just wasn't thinking about. So it's important that the writers are embedded with the developers. Yeah, all working together to bring the best through. The next question is, can you share a documentation-related resource you have consumed recently? So I'm also a programmer. I'm titled, in the past, I have been a titled programmer. And just because I'm working with a language, C-sharp or Java, doesn't mean I'm exempt from being a consumer of API docs. So I'm working with C-sharp, though. I depend a lot on Microsoft's MSDN library. Uh So I'll know what I want to do. I want a function that lists all the files in a directory. And I Google that, C-sharp, files, directory, something like that. And it'll come up with an MSDN page. And that is so, that process is so simple. Just search for it. it. It lands you exactly on the page. So yes, and that's API documentation in no way less than other API documentation. Yep, super. So my last question for you today is, what is the one piece of documentation-related advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? (laughs) Document it for yourself. If you don't understand, and again, I mentioned this earlier, but it is so important. If you don't understand something, chances are others won't either. And going back 20 years, I recall the state of API documentation, and although I wouldn't, I didn't know it at the time, it was pretty bad by today's standards. It was just a dictionary entry, the call, and what the parameters, in one sense, for what the parameters did. If the parameter was well-defined, then you're a little bit ahead of the game. If it was a, if the name didn't convey anything about the call, you were just out. You had to guess or contact your buddies. So. If I went back 20 years, that's one thing I would do. Just keep expanding the explanations. You cannot have too much information in an API suite. So again, very well put through that idea of uh, be the customer first before you publish the documentation. That's great. So Robert, anything else I missed to ask you today that you would like to share with our audiences? So I would like to encourage, if anyone is interested in this field, if anyone is 
wants to move over, I absolutely encourage that. We need API writers. The companies are expand, expanding their, yeah, their API offerings a lot by some standards, almost 2,000 a year. We're not recruiting 2,000 API writers a year. So a lot of people think this is a tough specialization and not knowing programming is an absolute block. It's not. If you're interested, look into it. There's a lot that you can do before you actually become an API writer. But by all means, start looking into it. Super. So thank you once again, Robert, for all the time you spent with us and preparing oh, sure. for this podcast and also your valuable time this morning. Oh, sure. I wish you all the very best in your future projects and uh, right. keep keep motivating us through various um, uh, phrases in your LinkedIn profile and also to the great community work you're already doing. I appreciate it. I love being here. <laughs> thank you. And once again, this is a community-focused podcast, and I, we are really, really happy to have you as one of our guests. Oh, thanks. Great. Thank you, Robert. Sure. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week. <laughs>